Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow. Everybody say overflow. It says so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Lord, I pray a special anointing. Be upon every person in this place, Lord. Those watching online from around the planet, Lord, those that have taken the effort and the desire to draw near to you, bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, God. May you change the way we think and act. Would you just pray for that right now? Ask God to help you to change how you think and how you act. Do that in me today, oh God. May you give me eyes to see what you're showing. Give me a a ear to hear what you're saying, God, as your word says, that we could draw near and incline our ear to you, Lord. We thank you that as you speak to us, that you change us, God. Give us a heart that would respond in your holy name. Somebody say amen. amen. You may be seated. I was preaching at a congregation once upon a time, and they, they had served me breakfast, and they said, would you like some uh, orange juice to go with your breakfast? We fell. Oh, thank you so much. I'm staying at the counter they gave me orange juice, so I just sipped it politely. Thank you so much for the orange juice. This 13-year-old kid came. Are you 13? Did you tell me you're 13? Stand up. God's got a good word for you. Reach your hands out to her. Let no one look down on her because she's young, but she'll set an example for the believers. She will set an example for the who? That's you, yikes. All the spiritual giants can we get an example? Can we get somebody to set an example? Peer. Lift both hands to Jesus. Lord, I just prophesy over her, every young person in this place. Let no one look down on them because they're young. Let no one look down on them because they're young, but they'll set an example for the believers in life and love and faith and speech and purity. Until you come, do it, Jesus, we pray. Somebody say amen. I prophesied that verse over Many, many young people. God loves all young people. Parents, bring your children here tonight. We're going to lay hands on every single kid. Praise the Lord. And uh, then they'll be bored stiff because I have a long, boring message to preach to you. But uh, just kidding. No, I got a little something up my sleeve that your children will enjoy it tonight. And so you, you bring the whole family, right, Pastor Kirsten? You know, stick them in the back room with somebody. They're, they're just, bring everybody in here tonight, 6 o'clock. If you'd like to find out how... You could have your husband busted out of the Dallas County Jail, um, Dallas, Texas. My wife will share a little on that, and don't look at me like that. I've been out for a long time. The Bible says that's what some of you were. Can I get an amen? amen. I'm preaching to you today about getting your hopes up because God wants to give you hope. I believe you are a hope giver. Tell the person beside you, say, I can give hope. This little girl came in. I just had sipped the orange juice, and I probably had the plague. It was decades ago, but I don't know what happened. And she said, oh, I'll take an OJ, too. And uh, I said, I, I think so. Sorry, baby. They, I think they just uh, served me the last bit of the OJ. And she looked at me, and she said, you really know how to crush a child's dreams. 
hope, she said. You know how to crush a child's hope. I'm here today to tell you that you can get your hopes up. Say this with me. Say, get your hopes up. Just point your finger up here at me and say, get your hopes up. Here's God's plan. I'm going to give to you. Some of you are going to get this little card that I have. I ran out, so sorry I didn't print it up. But here's what it is. It's this verse of Scripture. I call it the most important point. And if you can remember this, it'll change your life. Everybody else that doesn't get this paper, I want you to text this to yourself, H-O-P-E. Maybe text it to your wife. Turn your ringer off, for pity's sakes. Uh, you're going to text this to your wife, H-O-P-E. H-O what? H-O-P-E. Hope. Because you're going to get your hopes up today. Not only are you getting your hopes up, but you are a hope delivery system. Look at this text with me, Romans 15. I'm going to illustrate it for you from Romans chapter 4. If you got one of these old-fashioned paper Bibles, I think they're awesome. Somebody say amen. amen. Everybody say this with me. What? <laughs> what do you just say? You got to get a, paper, a Bible that's made out of what? I'm from Oregon. I've been known to cut trees down. Sometimes they make them into paper. Sometimes they make them into logs. I, I love cutting trees down. <laughs> we should bring the musicians back. I've cut down many, many trees. Once upon a time, I had hope. Everybody say, get some hope. The Lord spoke to me to move my family to Honolulu from Maui, where we were serving with KC since the 1900s back then. And so we, we moved our family to Honolulu and... Um, we lived in the church office for over 200 days. During that 200 days, my wife would go look at houses. She looked at one house right across the street from the church. It was owned by John Travolta. And so she went and looked at it, and she told, it was $6 million. She said, oh, it's, on the, it's on the water right in uh, Manila Bay, wherever it's at. Manila Bay's on Lanai. Anyway, it's by the water right across the street from KC, Oahu, probably watching on TV right now. And she, she told the realtor, Oh, John Travolta's house? She said, that's not right for us. Some, something's just not quite right. Yeah, the price tag. Hello. And so she looked at 100 houses, and then somebody prophesied over us, you be at this prophetic conference, this power conference will change your life. This prophet of God looked at us and pointed their finger like that and said, you will have a house that has a pool, a pond, and palm trees. I never had a pool. I couldn't spell pond. I didn't know how, what a coconut tree was about. And, and so I, I just had faith for her. I said, honey, all the houses you've looked at, they're yesterday's ducky. We're moving on. We're going to believe God for a, a house with a pool. Don't look at any house that doesn't have a swimming pool. Concrete pond is what they used to call them in the 1900s. And so we started looking at that house. We found a house that was just astronomically expensive. Couldn't afford it. And so uh, I said, well, I don't know. I drove past Morocco to look at this house. And I said, uh, I said, Pastor, I don't know. This is just ridiculously expensive. And he looked at me sitting in my car and he said, you're not thinking right. He said, Pastor Brian, you need to believe God to live in this neighborhood in East Oahu where everybody has their gate and they're all snooty. They need Jesus. Can I get anybody to say amen? And so bum, 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 I got some hope up. And I started praying in agreement with my wife. This widow woman came in that didn't attend our church, but she came to be okay. Somebody say, be okay. You will be okay if you participate in, okay. So birthday of a king is what I'm talking about. So she came to the show and she said, pastor, the Lord told me to pay your rent. And I said, I'm gonna, huh? I, I said, uh, I was real smart. 
Maybe the Lord spoke to me. I took her to dinner the next night, my wife and I, and I said, uh, oh, we have had this little uh, house in, in our vision that, that the Lord maybe could provide for us to rent. And I told her how much the rent was, and she said, oh, my. She said, I, uh, I'll, I'll pray about it because it was a ridiculous number. God gave me hope to believe God. She called back the next day. She said, God didn't tell me how much rent to pay. He just told me to pay the rent, and she paid the rent for the whole entire year. Somebody say, praise Jesus. It's $4,200 a month, and it cost me zero to move in, zero to sleep there, zero for the down, zero for the, what do you call that thing? Everything was zero, and we just moved in fat and sassy. You could see over the top of your two big fat feet, you could see this mountain called Diamond Head. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you get some hope up, God can do miracles. Give me an actual amen. Give me an actual amen. Years later, we started a church in Oregon. Needed a house to live in. So we looked at many, many houses. God was leading us. Every time we look at all these houses, I said, well, if we bought that house, I would knock out that wall, and I would build a thing, knock out that wall, knock out that wall, knock out that wall, the roof would fall. So let's, 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 get, a, let's get a different kind of a house. And so we, every time we would end up coming back to where we lived, we would come to this one vacant property that wasn't for sale, not going to be for sale, but it was awesome. And we got some hope. Everybody say, get you some hope. You can get your hopes up because it doesn't cost you a blessed thing. In just a moment, I'm going to give you the answer to the, to the question, how do you get your hopes up? But my wife and I, in agreement in prayer, we got our hopes up. Long story short, God gave us that property. I didn't, not only did I not know how to build a house, I didn't have any skill. I didn't have any capacity to build a house, and I didn't have, what's that other thing I didn't have, Pastor Kelly? <clears throat> a what? A what? A clue? <laughs> Whose side are you on? Okay. <clears throat> Actually, so we, we move forward. This lady in the church, she said, uh, grandma, grandmother lady, she said, oh, Pastor Kelly, the Lord spoke to me. She said, your husband's been trying to get this building permit for six months. She said, you go to the county, and you uh, tell the county building people, uh, ask them this question. What do I really need to do to get the permit? Because my husband. <laughs> Any ladies here? <laughs> Just laugh out loud on three. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> so at the word of the Lord, my wife went to the county and she said, my poor little husband. He, he, he trying to... He, so, so my wife leaves, so she stayed there all day. The next day, she left with the building permit in her hand, and she walked outside, and she said, Glory to God, we have a building permit. My kids cut down trees on that property with a steel chainsaw, and right when they're starting the saw, I could hear ringing in my ears. The Waldens. Hey, Grandpa, can we cut down the tree too? Yeah, son, grab a hold of the still and just cut the tree down. Pick one, cut it down. I, I, I got this. It was a still 51. Anybody here going to help me preach? It was a still 51 from 1979. Don't look at me like that. I'm trying. It was, it was 12 pounds. 80, oh, just me and the brother. Okay, it was... It was 89cc chainsaw. So I tried picking it up. The compression release didn't work no more. <laughs> I got it started on a 40-inch bark. And I, so I cut some trees, taught the boys how to cut trees. As I had studied in Oregon high school, that's what they teach them in Oregon, how to 
And so each son was cutting down trees. The songwriter takes the chainsaw. He said, what do I do? I said, son, I've told you 20 times, just cut the tree. And he's cutting. And he, he finally looks at me. He goes, my cut. And I'm like, I just gave a chainsaw to a songwriter. What exactly? I said, this tree could kill him. Let me help you. I took the chainsaw away from him. Cut those trees down. They sawed those those uh, trees into lumber, those logs into lumber, they built my house out of it. I live in it right now. It's 2,900 square feet of deliciosity looking at the longest river front in the, in the entire state of Oregon, I think. I don't know, but it's the best property in my town because I got some hope. Everybody say, get your hopes up. If you leave this place without hope, you're going to be standing on a banana peel because God's plan is that he's going to increase you. Give me an actual amen. amen. So when the word of God says, may the God of hope, it's a prayer. It's the prayer of your pastor and mine, and it's the prayer of me for you, that you could get some hope. Everybody tell the person beside you, say, get your hopes up. It's a prayer that we're believing God to see you increase your hope. God's plan is that as you Build your hope. You have the joy of increasing what it is. So when he speaks to you about hope, it's a prayer. <clears throat> and it says, may the very God of peace, may, may the, look at it right here, Romans 15, 13. <clears throat> may the God of hope. May is a prayer that the apostle is praying. And I pray that you will be filled with hope to overflowing. Everybody say filled to overflowing. Filled. Say overflowing one more time. Say Overflowing. It says right here, the God of hope. I'm here today to preach to you about the fact that there is a God who not only loves you with an everlasting love, but he is a God who is abundantly able to do all you can ask or even imagine. Somebody give me a good amen. He is a God that is the creator of heaven and earth. He is a God that sits above the circle of the universe and he watches down upon you. Nothing takes him by surprise. Somebody say amen. The plan is that we're going to be a people that will get our hopes up and believe God to see his power released in your life and mine. God's going to do something special for you starting today. Somebody say amen. amen. Look at what it says right here. May the God of hope fill you with. His plan is that you're not going to live your life empty. Could I have somebody say amen? amen. His plan is that you're not going to just go around half-baked, half-empty, Half, half cocked and half loaded. His plan is that you will begin to exercise the faith that he's put into you. Every person has a measure of faith. Let me just preach to you for a moment about getting some faith. I, I joined the team of KC in 1986, and I heard Dr. Morocco say these words. He said, if you do what I'm doing, you're going to be okay. And I left that church service, and I thought, in my little brain, I thought that's about the most arrogant thing I've ever heard anybody say in my entire life. My, my mother-in-law, the, the, the Assemblies of God pastor came and she, she looked at Dr. Morocco and she, she thought, it's hmm, an interesting piece of work right there. My wife, after we had worked at KC for 30 days, barged into Pastor Morocco's office. There's office staff there. Auntie Caroline was there in 1986. You know what I'm talking about? And so my wife had worked like a DOG for 30 days, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. 
And so the, the office staff was there, and she just stiff-armed him, so to speak, and she, boom, she bursted into Pastor Morocco's office. And she gave him a piece of her mind like she had a piece to spare. And she said, Dr. Morocco, here's what's going on with my little pathetic husband. You're working us to death. You're going to kill us to death, and we're not, we're not really feeling the love. And she was so proud of herself, she drove home on a phone with a wire. She called her mother, and she said, Mom, I just screamed at the senior pastor of this church. She thought her mother at least would be on her side. Is anybody having a, a revelation? And her mother, the Assemblies of God preacher lady, says to her, she said, oh, my, Kelly, hang up on me. You call him back and apologize. What? I ain't apologizing to him. I just hollered at him. She said, no, you never holler at a man of God. Can I get anybody to say amen? And she, my wife hung up the phone on her mom who thought she would at least get her mother on her side. She hangs up the landline phone in 1986 and the phone rings. It's Dr. Morocco. And he said, hello, Kelly. He said, I'm so sorry that I overcooked the grits or something. I don't know what he said. I wasn't there. He said, come on down. He bought all the pastor's wives a flower and fed them lunch. And I got nothing because I didn't scream at him. <laughs> there is a point in your life that you think this is beyond hope. Look at Romans chapter 4 for just a moment. It says right here that when everything seemed hopeless, when it seems hopeless, some people give up their hope. The fact of the matter is that there are no hopeless situations. I'm going to preach it to you one more time. There are no hopeless situations, only people that have grown hopeless. Somebody say amen. You can always get your hope up. And when you come to, to the story of Abraham in Romans chapter 4, it says right here, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed God anyway. Everybody say anyway. Let me just tell you what his scenario was. It was absolutely bleak and horrible and hopeless and totally and in all other ways inconceivable. Inconceivable. Is that movie still on? Huh? No? All right. So it was impossible. So he says when everything was hopeless, he believed anyway. Tell the person beside you, say, believed anyway. When everything was hopeless, he believed anyway. Romans 4.24 says the same thing gets said about you. Tell the person that's asleep by you, say, it's about you. He says right here, the same thing gets said about you when we embrace and believe the one, capital one, when we believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. I'm preaching to you today that you can get your hopes up. Could somebody say amen? amen. I want you to write this down. Write this down. This will change everything for you. If I had blank, I would blank. If I had blank, don't fill it in, leave it. Leave it blank. If I say it back to me, if I had, I would. Whatever you write on those two lines, get a pen out, write that down, text it to yourself. If I had underscore, 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 hashtag. If I, if, <clears throat> am I hashtagging now? If you fill in those blanks, if it was me, somebody say, if you had blank, you would do what? If I had a corn dog, I would eat it right now. Because I went to the last conference and this preacher, Pastor Barnett, was preaching about 
his revelation that he had when he went on a 40-day Daniel fast. I, I heard recently some preacher guy said, Daniel fast, what's wrong with you? Fast for real. Just at least go on a, a Jewish-style fast where you fast the daylight hours. Give me a break. What a wimp. And I, I thought, well, I'm just going to go on this Daniel fast. This thing's stupid. This is ridiculous. So my, surgery, my daughter made me a sandwich the other day. Here's some bread. You can have bread. Here's some kind of condiment made out of rubber. You, you can eat this. You, and, and then she put sun-dried tomatoes on it. Mm, it was, was going to be delightful. And then she covered it with cheese. They said, no dairy products, no eggs, no anything that actually has food value in it. It's been eight days. <laughs> so <clears throat> maybe for the last uh, 38 days, I'm just going to go full fast because this is stupid. Okay, so anyway, <clears throat> we can get our hopes up. Give me a good amen. amen. He says, that's not all. When we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, this is Romans chapter 5, we, when we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting, praise God. Somebody shout, praise God. Praise God. You can be standing in the wide open spaces of God's grace, getting your hopes up. Romans 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. There's your problem. I'm not a big fan of affliction. I know there are people that take a vow of silence, a vow of poverty, a vow of, a vow of stupid, no, a vow of, uh, a vow of celibacy, don't have it. I got kicked out of the kindergarten for kissing a girl. So I, I'm just telling you that there are certain things you should give up for a little while. Was that out loud? Okay, uh, let's move on. Okay, so we're going to be joyful in hope. Say it with me, joyful in what? Be joyful in hope. I'm going to tell you in just a minute how you're going to actually start enjoying hope. The fact of the matter is that God wants to give you tremendous liberty, great freedom and hope. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Say this with me right out loud. Say, I trust in him. You're going to trust in him in the face of adversity, in the face of challenges that you have no answer for. I don't know what else to do, but I can pray. Apparently, I can pray two hours in one day just going through that list. Give me an actual amen. amen. We'll just cut it now into 30 seconds a day. You can pray for an hour. You can believe God. I believe the scripture is true when it says that two of us agreeing, touching one thing on the earth, it shall be done. Say it with me. It shall what? It shall be done. May the very God of hope, the source of hope, fill you completely with joy and peace and you trust in him, then, after you believe God, then, everybody say then, yeah. then you will overflow with the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say through the power, through the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm gonna give you this instructions how to do this. You're gonna get your hopes up and you are a hope distribution System. You're actually a hope sprinkler. Tell the person beside you, say, sprinkle hope. You're going to spray hope all over the Matanuska Valley. There are people in this valley that desperately need to meet you at work. Somebody say amen. First day I worked at the Hyatt in Dallas, Texas, they gave me a uniform. They gave me tools. They gave me stuff. I worked in the engineering department. And they, it was just like going to Disneyland to work. And I sat down at the meal that they had provided me. 
I bowed my head and I prayed a 10-second prayer over my free food. And I, say, and I said, amen. When I woke up, somebody was sitting across from me. And they said, wow, you really take the bull by the horns, don't you? I'm like, we have a bull? I, I, don't, I don't even know what's going on. All I'm just doing is just living my little life, doing my work, coming early, staying late, finishing big, finishing on time. Somebody say amen. Then asking, what else could I do, boss? They'll make you the boss's boss. Tell the person beside you, say, you could be the boss's boss. You can be the boss's boss if you come early, stay late, and finish big. So the fact of the matter is that God's plan is he's going to increase you. And he says right here, he's going to fill you to overflowing and all joy. Everybody say all joy. You have the joy of the Lord. Happiness comes from outside. Happiness, is, happiness comes actually from the word happenstance. That if something bad happens, then you'll be unhappy. Went to Chile to help Pastor Italo look at this building years ago and leaving town and we were in Santiago. He said, I, at the front right tire feels a little squishy. Let's stop and check it, put some air in. We drove for an hour, tire went flat. So we're there on the side of the road in a suit, two of us in the rain with the semi coming by. I'm looking at him like, bad idea, Reverend. <laughs> Sometimes stuff doesn't go your way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We fixed the tire. We got saved again after we dried out. So I was riding with my wife there in Newport, Oregon, driving my dad's car this time. He's in the back seat. I'm, I'm the big man on campus. I'm driving my dad's car. Hot wife sitting in the front seat. I'm like, she goes, oh, my goodness, look at those, uh, look at those Christmas tree lights on that sailboat. I'm like, what? Look at, those, look at those pretty, pretty Christmas tree lights on that sailboat right in the in Yaquina Bay. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, honey. Came by this little driveway that says, do not enter. Oh, yeah? I'm a big man. I'm, I'm going to show my wife a sailboat, pity sakes. Two flat tires. And my dad's car with him sitting in the back seat, all smug as a bug. He's like, what you going to do now, son? We only got one spare. Come on, Dad. Stay with me, man. So I drove to the gas station. They were closed. Went to another gas. I think we lived. Did we live through this? I'm just here to tell you that sometimes you, you may need to choose wisely. Give me an amen. Sometimes stuff doesn't go the way you want it to go. God's still God. Sometimes people get the plague. God's still God. Everybody say, God's still God. You know what they did in the 1950s when the outbreak of tuberculosis was killing everybody? They had lines of people where Oral Roberts would have them come by and breathe on him and lay hands on them and believe God to see him get healed. Somebody say amen. You know what Jesus did? Jesus said, are you a leper? Are you not a leper? Come here. Let me inspect. Ah! I, the only up close and personal I had on that, I was gassing up and the guy's in a little hermetically sealed glass booth with a screen. And he was dog sick. I should have known that you could get dog sick even by passing your card. Pastor Kelly, is this true? I was at McDonald's with her. She passed her card to the guy who was dog sick. This was McDonald's this time. She got the card back. It was my card. She treated me to Irish cuisine. And then I, Irish cuisine. Okay, so then I, okay. On three, ready? One, two, three, go. Take the card back. I didn't touch it. I used a napkin. I washed it off. 15 minutes later, we were at Pastor Ann's house, staying there. She got sick. 
you got the germs, Nina. And I had washed the card with my water bottle, and then I got sick when she kissed me. And so <clears throat> God had spared me. But sometimes there are scenarios that come up. There are scenarios that you have to just choose wisely. You're going to do what you say. I saw the guy dog sick pumping my gas. He just taking money. I pumped my own gas, and I, I said, oh, it looks like you could use a prayer. He's like, oh, man, I'm dog sick. Yeah, I would, take, I would take a prayer. He stood up and came out and held his hand out to me to pray for him. I'm like, oh, quick, quick. Huh, Louis? Louis? I was sweating right then, too. I'm like, what am I going to do? I just held his hand and prayed for him. I didn't die. Somebody say Amen. There are scenarios that come up, the stuff that's not going to make me happy. I had a guy in my church. He was with me the very first, when we started the church. His kids rode the bus. He came to church. And uh, then they moved away. He wasn't married to his wife. I did a lot of marriages when we first started the church. And this guy calls a couple years later. And he said, oh, pastor, I want you to do my wedding now. I said, good. You've been with your wife for 15 years. I think this is awesome. He goes, oh, no, not her. She didn't make me happy. I chewed him out probably for Jesus, and then I, I didn't end up doing their, I didn't do their wedding. There are things that don't make you happy. Somebody say amen. amen. Joy doesn't, doesn't matter what happens to you. You can have a flat tire. You can have two flat tires if you're an idiot. Uh, you, can have, uh, you can have stuff that you can get the plague. God's still God. Say it back to me. God's who? God is still God. He says, I will fill you with joy. Your happiness comes from the inside out. Give me an Amen. The Bible says, may the very God of peace sanctify you and keep you blameless until the coming of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can live at peace with all men as much as it's up to. You can live at peace with all men as much as it's up to you. There's this character from a TV show you shouldn't watch. His name's Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. Don't hurt yourself. I worked with him at the Hyatt, and so I realized, oh, this guy's a jerk. I'm just going to be nice to him. It's going to all work out okay. Somebody say it's going to work out okay. The Bible says you can live at peace with all men. Well, what if they're a jerk? Let me just rephrase it. You can live at peace with all men. You can live at peace. Tell the person beside you, say it's up to you. A soft answer turns away wrath. The Bible says it is going to cause you to overflow, and there's going to be a flow of hope. There's going to be a flow of joy, a flow of peace in the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Amen. How do you do it? How? How do you get your hopes up? It's not the same thing as being optimistic. Well, praise the Lord. Got two two flats. I still got two. I'm (laughs) 50-50. I just had a flat the other day in my Prius. <clears throat> Do not be laughing at me. I was, I was the, uh, I was an early adopter of Prius haters because in my four-wheel drive Suburban, I would, I, the Prius has two little lines over the top. It has two stripey, streak-dented things. And so I always used to tease my children that those dents on top of the Prius, as part of the body design, I thought those two dents were where my tires would go when it went under. I, was, I haven't got one yet, but I'm going to get one in Priuses and run straight over it. I won't even feel a bump in the road. 
So my wife was driving 45 minutes to pick up this bus kit. Let me just run it by you one more time. She would leave home, drive 45 minutes to pick up a uh, bus kit, bring him back to church, take him home, come back. I said, dear, you've been doing this for a year. Have you realized that you're spending more on gas in that Suburban for that one bus kid than the, all the rest of our budget put together, including our food for our whole family. And she looked at me, she said, yeah, I think you're right. I said, why don't we go to your brother's car lot and buy a, an economical car? I'm a Prius owner. <laughs> and this guy in my church, he came, he said, pastor, he said, when you, when you sit in that Prius, does it hurt? I didn't know. I didn't know what to say. Maybe he's maybe he's thinking about getting stricken by the Prius or something. I said no. I said I, I like driving. It does 106 miles an hour. I was, first got. I want to see how fast it would go. So I took my wife on this road called Spicer Drive. Don't arrest me. It was a long time ago. I, I was driving on Spicer Drive and I was doing 106. And she and my wife said, "Yeah, it goes. It goes fast, honey. Corner, 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 corner." And I'm like, Aah! the brakes work too. And it generates electricity while you're, while you're braking. So you could get a flat tire even in a Prius, which I got about two weeks ago. And I backslid, praise the Lord. But I, I, my, here's my new hope. My hope is, as I'm riding my little Prius, the guy says, he says, does it hurt you to drive that Prius? I said, no, it's fine. He goes, well, it hurts me to see you in it. <laughs> Probably watching on TV. And so, anyway, you're going to live holy. Write this down. You're going to live holy. How are you going to get your hopes up? Live holy. Because whatever you do, as I prayed for the men earlier, whatever a, a man does, his, whatever a man does in moderation, his children will do in excess. Could I get a yikes? Well, I'm just going to have a nip here and there. Don't look at me like that. Jesus brewed his own hooch. And I just preached to you for a moment. Jesus brewed his own. Is Pastor Daniel going to watch this? Okay, Jesus, Jesus uh, went to a wedding, <laughs> invited 12 buddies not invited to the wedding. That's why they ran out of booze. That's what they did. Jesus just brewed some. Look at me like that. So why don't, why don't I drink booze? Because if I did, you'd think I was a backslider. Somebody say amen. amen. Preacher at a certain congregation once upon a time left early, and they asked me if I wanted to go stay in his condominium for the last night. Yeah, I do. <gasps> there was wine in the, in the room. Ding, 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 ding. Ah, everybody's going to hell. Guess what? Uh, smoking cigarettes won't send you to hell. It just makes you smell like you've already been there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Drinking booze won't send you to hell. It'll probably just freak out everybody you're trying to minister to. Give me an amen. Smoking pot in Oregon won't send you to hell. It'll just make you forget there is one. <laughs> Can't remember. You're going to live holy. Raise your right hand with me. Say it right out loud. Say, I can live holy. Pastor Kirsten's not going to come shake you down about the thing that you said. There's things you think are wrong that nobody else thinks is wrong, like the word B-U-T-T. -T. The reason you shouldn't be saying the word is because when I was little, my, my brother locked me in a toolbox. All the neighbors sat on top of it 
So I went crazy in my little mind. I called him a... And so they washed my mouth out with dial soap. I was blowing bubbles for two weeks. I'm trying to... I don't say that word. I've never said it to my children. I've never talked about whooping their... You know why? Because it's a nasty word. Somebody say, my, my. There are things that the Lord touches your heart and says, stop that. Could you just say it back to me? Say what? Stop that. If the Lord tells you to stop it, newsflash, stop it. If the Lord tells you to stop it, what? Just stop it. You're going to live holy. I'm not going through your list. There's a word of seven word. There's a list of seven words you couldn't use to say on TV. That word, that list don't exist anymore. But in Hebrew, that list goes like this. No, I don't know. The Bible doesn't have that list. We don't know the words in Greek or Aramaic, even in Spanish. They only got one. And so the fact of the matter is that, that God puts on your heart, stop that. Oh, should I stop? Lord, forgive me. Stop skipping early morning prayer. That's why I'm convicting you. That's why I woke you up at 5 a.m. and you're just staring at the ceiling. Go to prayer. Somebody say amen. Lord, help us. You're going to live holy. You're going to obey his word. Everybody say obey. You can obey him. You can choose to obey him. I call it the nasty four-letter word. You want your children to obey you, O-B-E-Y, but you, they don't obey you. How's that work? You want them to obey you, but they don't. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? They should. Okay, so you're going to also obey God. Write it down. You're going to live holy. You're going to obey God's word. Thirdly is the P, you're going to pray. Everybody say pray. pray. Pastor Kirsten already gave you the rundown. You're going to pray. I could go on for hours about it. You're going to ask God what it is that when you're getting your hopes up, you're going to pray. Men ought always pray and not give up. Everybody say don't give up. Don't give up. You're not going to give up. It says may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Live holy, obey God's word, pray. You're going to evaluate from God's perspective. God's perspective. God, God's perspective is not the same as yours. Would you say amen? amen? When something happens, you recognize God's still God. God's going to bring you over the top. He's going to bring you to the other side. You're just going to reevaluate and say, God, this happened. Our windows blew out. Our drywall got wet. Our floor blew up. We don't have no toilet. I wish the preacher would hurry up. God's still God. Somebody say amen. amen. Stand on your feet, would you, for a moment. Let me pray for you. God is going to give you hope. You are a hope giver. You are a hope giver. You're going to give people hope at work this week. You're going to give Pastor Bracken hope when you see him again. Somebody say amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.